and welcome to episode 5 of Krusty's Third Nipple, the podcast as unnecessary as Twitter's new fleets feature. Today I'm joined as ever by Darren. Hello. And Tarek. Yo. As we delve into what's been happening the past week, Darren puts his dubiously earned title on the line in Dawn in 60 Seconds, and we round up discussing this week's film choice of Get Juked. In some uncharacteristically good news for 2020, Krusty's Third Nipple has managed to find its way onto Apple Podcasts. So please do subscribe, give us a review with a five-star rating, so even more people can listen to what Dundee lad summed like after a few deliciously crafted lager beer from finishing Gun. <laughs> yeah. Get in touch via Twitter at Krusty's Nipple, and all previous episodes are also available on Anchor and Spotify, if that's your bag. But first, uh, you may have already heard, we have managed to convince someone mad enough to join us. My friend and colleague, Connor. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Unfortunately, I do not have any innocent guns, so I'm going to have to make two with Desperados. Shh. Don't say any other name, man. Beat me out. <laughs> so shit. Did you, did you not get innocent guns sent down to Cambridge when you moved? I did. I've drank it all. I'm yeah. actually, I've actually ordered more, and it was meant to arrive today. And I've done the tracking thing, and it says it's still in the collection depot. So, that's right. Wow. We, we'll have a word. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Should have run along just to collect it. I think the collection is for you. You're supposed to collect it there, Connor. That's the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You all set for today? Yeah, I'm. I'm hyped to be here. I'm hyped to talk about getting duked because that's one of my favourite films, and uh, I'm. Hyped to have something to do on an evening here in England where it's total lockdown, actually. <laughs> Yesterday, I had a go at, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Japanese art of kintsugi. It's like when you have like pottery that's broken and you repair it with gold. And so you have like these little gold seams down it. And so it's like, you know, it adds something to the, the repaired product. It's meant to be like really meditative. Uh, it's not. It's, it's actually really stressful. <laughs> the the, the, the oh, fucking glue doesn't stick and the whole thing starts falling apart. <laughs> I've just basically spent like two hours on my day. Yeah, I've spent, like, spent like two hours trying to hold a bowl together and it didn't quite quite go. So, that uh, does look the, really the, cool, though. Oh. Just <laughs> I can imagine the videos on Kami Music so smoothing and it just looks perfect in a car. It's like, why doesn't mine look like that? <laughs> 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 I've actually, I've, 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 I, I did film myself doing it, so there are at least a couple of clips of me holding it together for like five minutes and being like, "There we go," and then it falls apart. So I'm happy to contribute them to your Twitter account. Oh yeah, please do. See, the ones some I've seen, like some somebody selling theirs on Etsy. It's a small bowl, like a wee handmade, uh, handheld sort of soup bowl sort of thing. But it's only for eleven fifty, and if it's half as hard as what you're describing, I'd kind of want more money for that. I mean, you're excluding the possibility <laughs> that I'm just really bad at it. Right. <laughs> okay, well, at least you can smash it up and start again. Yeah, then, well, you know. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> How are you guys doing? More... I'm doing really well. Um, I had a long weekend, actually. Uh, we, had, we had Friday off work, didn't we, Tarek? Oh, and, yeah. Uh... St. Andrew's Day. Well, St. Andrew's yeah, Day today, though. Yeah, yeah but, uh, yeah, but we got off Friday. So. Right, okay. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so uh, the I prepare myself thing about for the St. Andrew's the day. day and then gives you off the wrong day. Yeah, it's what St. Andrew would have wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm skippy. But I, I looked ahead my uh, calendar and actually booked off Thursday as well. So I had a four-day 
weekend. Mm. So, got to look ahead of that. Go have the big brain. <laughs> <laughs> also, proud to announce I did nothing during those days. <laughs> Didn't expect any different. No. Not again for doing the Brady Garth. You know, you know what it's like to be me, mate. <laughs> always, always things going on. Um, well, it was my birthday yesterday, so it was good for a wee um, long weekend to just drink as much as I could over those three days and hot tub it and just um, muck about with the kids and uh, my resident mother-in-law as well. <laughs> Did you get any gifts um, for your birthday? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got, uh, got um, some beers from guys in work, um, Arsenal top, which I sadly put on and watched them get beat on Sunday, and just all the other bits and bobs, slippers and the old man stuff that you're you're quite quietly chuffed to get um, when you're hitting the ripe old age of 36. So that no, was a good, good weekend. Um, before that, I had a wee outing with, um, with my mother-in-law. <laughs> So another wee mother-in-law story. Sorry, people, if you are getting bored of these. <laughs> um, so because she's across here, um, obviously we need to make sure that she got her flu vaccination because she normally gets it when she's back home. So I booked her in for a trip to Boots and they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't let me go in with her unless I'd booked a slot in as well. So I had to go and end up going to get mine as well. First time I've ever had a flu vax. 36, need to start uh, preparing for it. So... Dropped the kids off, took took mother-in-law into Boots. And as we were going down, um, I started saying to her, I was like, so it's different here. Um, you don't get it in the arm, you get it in your bum. <laughs> <laughs> so Izzy uh, so, wasn't there to translate, but I was thinking, almost had her totally convinced. So I was like, right, so remember, it's not in the arm. Just pull down, I was saying, make sure you've got nice, nice pants on and don't pull your pants on. The doctor will just jab it in. She's like, no, no, no. I was like, yeah, trust me. So we got into Boots, and you've got to fill in a wee form. So we're waiting about a wee bit, and I go across to fill in the form for the pair of her. And um, she just kind of sneaks off to the girl further down the, <laughs> the desk. And all I hear her saying was, hello, hello, you don't put in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> the girl was like, sorry? She's like, in the arm, in the arm, not in my ass. <laughs> so, so just pull them across and explain. The whole store was in absolutely stitches. Um, but yeah, they, they told her the truth by that point. And we went and she got her jabs. And it was all good. Nobody, nobody managed, nobody had to walk in and make sure she pulled her freaks back up or anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I would have trust uh, issues if I was her. You're always leading down the wrong path here. <laughs> yeah, how long right, did she take that? Oh, she, she was peeing herself laughing. Oh, after yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she takes it. She takes it really well. She, she does the same to me when I go to Poland. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know off. if I have to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we won't go down that route. <laughs> Apart from that, everything else has been uh, all good. Well, seeing as we've what we're going to discuss get duped later, kind of caught up on some dark comedies, other dark comedies that I've been watching. One that I enjoyed uh, last year was the BBC Scotland drama called Guilt. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but it's just four oh, episodes no, yeah. long. And in the first series, two brothers 
in Edinburgh, maybe not like the closest of, of friends or that, but they're forced to work together when they accidentally run over and kill an old man. Oh, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> so as they make the decision to like cover up the, the crime, they end up in all sorts of awkward situations, which are made uh, no better when one of them falls in love with a dead man's niece who comes over from, from America for the funeral. Uh, it gets to such an extent where they take over his house and and the guy ends up sleeping with her in her dead <laughs> uncle's bed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, one of these, one thing Lisa, another sort of things. <laughs> so mm. really, really dark stuff. Um, full of pop culture references because this guy also owns a record store. And it's written by fellow Dundonian Neil Forsyth, who is the guy behind Bob Servant. Uh, oh, nice. It's it's good. It's one of them I kind of knew I was going to like it within the first five minutes. So definitely recommend. Um, we actually, Connor, got a press release about this because filming on series season two has just started um, and that should be released next year. So plenty of time to catch up with this on iPlayer. I think the you next may have one, mentioned this at work. I think it last, did. I last, really yeah, enjoyed that earlier yeah. this year. Yeah, 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 because it rings a bell. It does sound good. I had it on my list. I've not watched it yet. So, Well, you'll get it on iPlayer. Uh, the next one's a bit older, but I've just kind of discovered that on Netflix. It's called Rake, and it's uh, it's really witty, really sharp and shit funny. It follows a, a barrister in Sydney, and he's quite cynical and self-destructive, but equally like brilliant at what he does which is mostly like getting guilty guys off the hook. Each mm. episode features a, a different case, but to be honest, like, that's a complete sideshow to him himself. He's, he juggles coke addiction, gambling debts, crazy love life, with uh, invariably like turning up to court at the last minute and winning the case just through sheer like, almost charisma. He's, he's a great orator. And uh, I'm near the end of season one, and I just figured out, well, I found out there's been five there's five seasons that have been done. So it's been consistently good. I'm not sure if it's going to keep that up over five seasons, but I'm kind of well and bet that it does. I just like, I just think there's something really funny about the Aussie accent. It kind of lends itself well to comedy. I'm surprised that I've not seen more funny Australians, to be honest. I think because over there, all of them are funny. Yeah. So they, they all, all kind of, funny, yeah. <laughs> they don't really realise one funny one. <laughs> they, all, they all cancel each other out. I guess like yeah. relatedly to Australian accents, you know, um, have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? The New oh. Zealand film? No. That's really good. Uh, I fully recommend it. It's um, So Taika Waititi, the New Zealand director, it's basically his horror comedy about a group of uh, vampires who are all sharing a flat in uh, somewhere in New Zealand, I guess. And it's done as like one of these like fake documentary things. So it's like a documentary right. crew following these vampires mm. around. It's really funny, really recommend it. And if you like Australian accents, you like the Kiwi ones even better. Well, funny you say that, Jermaine Clement's <laughs> got something to do with it. He created it. So the yeah. guy from Fight the Concords, which is also brilliant. And ah, uh, they've, nice. done a, they've done a spin-off TV series, which is on Amazon Prime, which I avoided for ages. I avoided starting it because I was kind of like, I don't really like this idea of taking a, a movie I like and then just basing a TV show on it. And it's like mm. basically the same mm. plot, but I gave it a go and it's actually really good. It actually like captures the spirit of the film perfectly. So it's more of more of what's good. So I fully recommend both the film and the, the series. I might have jumped in there. Has, has Jermaine Clement got anything to do with the film or is he just a TV series or is he both? Good question. Maybe just the TV series. 
Okay. Oh so no, no he's, he, he directed and wrote and starred in the film as well, 2014. Uh, oh right, so he co-directed it. He co-directed yeah. and co-wrote the film with Taika Waititi, and then he did the show by himself. That's yeah, what happened. What we do, Carlos, yeah. we include links to these stuff, you know, in the episode notes, everything that we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, ah, good, kind of wait for that. <laughs> but um, another, I don't know if it's much of a dark comedy, but a movie that I was very reminded of when watching Get Juked was um, uh, a movie called Attack the Block. With uh, John Boyega before he goes. That's in, a great film. Uh, goes yeah, to the Star Wars. But yeah, it's it's kind of a similar thing. Instead of it being kind of used in the Highlands, it's more used in the like uh, London, like a big like apartment blocks and flats, and uh, it's but like these kind of alien monsters crash down, and it's up. It's just kind of up to these, like we're like kind of, I don't know what to call it, urban youths to kind of stop the invasion before it happens. But yeah, it's still it's still kind of got the same like uh, a political stance on it, but it's still a very funny, like, emotional, just just loads of good stuff. Any <laughs> good one you could say about it. But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that no, film. It's a really good film. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Actually, I think you're really right that it's 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 very similar to Get Duked because it's that thing of like young kids and freaky stuff going on, but you kind of use the freaky stuff to tell you more about their upbringing and their experiences so it's like it's got like this mm. it's, it's this great thing of like using something really out there to talk about real life which is just i think the best the best thing about like horror and fantasy and dark comedy mm. and that is that like you get to talk about really serious stuff in i think you could do it i think you do a lot more with kind of horror and comedy than any other ones where you've got to be serious all the time you explore a lot more because you just have an inexplicable character, or something like like, like a like a Freddy Krueger, or something like that. You don't have to make sense because <laughs> it's just it's just there, you know. It's that you have to deal with what that represents. But with other kind of genres, you have to make everything make sense. It's got to be concise. But you could just have aliens drop out of nowhere and attack a block, and then explore what it's like to grow up in that place, even though there's just alien invasion but... going on. So yeah. It's, it's got to be done, uh, written really well for it to kind of get that balance. Um, mm-hmm. Because you, you can't see it just kind of getting pushed over a little bit too political or too comical. And then it's just a crappy film that you it could easily get ruined by just a little rubbish writing. But I like how, well, we're going to start talking about getting juked later, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Well, can I throw in an example of you're talking about like the writing has to be good for a film like with a mm. political undercurrent and that I don't know, did any of you guys ever see guns akimbo with daniel radcliffe no no, no. so so it really flew under the radar but there was a viral photo for ages from it because when they were filming they had like daniel radcliffe in a dressing gown wearing these big uh, like bare feet slippers with guns stapled to his hands kind of yelling and yeah so, like, i saw yeah. that image so that that yeah. became a meme for a while and it was purely because it was a meme that Emily and I the other night, my partner and I were thinking, what should we watch? Oh, we should watch that film because it ter- turns out we found it recently. It came out and we didn't realise. So we stuck it on. My God, fucking terrible. <laughs> it's, it's just really bad. It's just really bad. I could tell at the start because actually at the beginning, there was all these logos of all these different companies that are involved in making the film. And I was like joking to Emily and I was like, normally when there's that many like films involved, it's because the film really struggled to find funding or distribution. And then we're like, yeah. after the film, we're like, yeah, yeah. That should have been the warning sign. 
should have just turned it off there. The script writing is so bad. It's like someone like trying really hard to sound like they're like really up with internet cool culture and stuff. <laughs> just cringeworthy. Cringe start to finish. Yeah. yeah, horrifying. Good. <laughs> Another thing I watched this week was uh, the Diego Maradona documentary. Um, oh. When he died, I, I'd already seen it. Uh, I saw it, I think, last year. No, I'll tell you what I saw it. I saw it in March because it, it, was, it came on Channel 4 just about the start of lockdown. So I thought, oh, that's cheered me up. I'll, I'll watch it. I've mm. always kind of wanted to see it. Uh, so when he died, I watched it again. And it was even it was even better. Um I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but if you haven't seen it and you want to kind of know more about Maradona, this six or seven years that he spends in Naples pretty much is a great snapshot of his entire life. It's got everything. It's got chaos, drugs, the mob. It's got the genius on the pitch, the adulation, the temptation, everything. He wins. He goes to a team that's struggling, nearly got relegated the year before. Uh, within a few seasons, He's won the league with them twice. He's won a cup in Europe and he's won the World Cup. He signs when he's 23 and 85,000 people are there to see him. The, the, the stadium's packed and, and the press conference is jamming. And one of the first questions he's asked is basically, do you know that the Camorra, the, the criminal family, had a hand in signing you? Because you're the best player in the world. <laughs> you just, broke, you just broke, set the world record by moving here. A, a record that he mm. broke when he moved to Barcelona for... And he's going to this this struggling team that's never won anything. How do you think that's happened? And he's like, like a rabbit caught in the headlights. All the blood money. The president just, just grabs the mic and says, how dare you ask that? How dare you ask that? But it, it, it's brilliant because um, it, it, it's, it's, him, it's him in a nutshell. That, that, that mm. thing. You see him at the peak of his powers like, as a football player. And because um, he describes his routine after a while, his routine is play on a Sunday, um, go out on a Sunday, take coke, go to strippers, don't come home to the Wednesday, and then like detox, play again on the Sunday. And that was him for <laughs> <laughs> the best part of five years. <laughs> so, Ken, you'll 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 know well from Madman being in the office with me that I'm not much of a football fan, unfortunately, yeah. but. I think Maradona is really interesting and I don't know a lot about him, but I saw people saying on social media after he died and I thought they were taking the piss that he almost signed for Dundee FC at one point. I don't know if it was Dundee. Um, back in, when he was really young, he almost signed for Sunderland. There is a story that he nearly signed for Sunderland because he did come over to England and it nearly happened. Um, the Dundee link could possibly be because, um, well, they had... Claudio Canigia, who was another Argentinian player who played with him uh, at the 94 World Cup, definitely, and maybe other times as well. I don't know if Canigia was in in the 90 squad or not, but they managed to get him over here. And so maybe it was a tenuous link with that, but I I don't think I was ever close. Plus, Maradona at that time would have been about 18 stone. So... (laughs) (laughs) Still possibly Dundee's best player, but... Yeah, oh, yeah massively. Still strolling that team. <laughs> rolling that team. Even. Rolling that team. Uh, so the, the documentary's on all four right now. It's free until Boxing Day. So get it on your get it on your boxes. Uh, I, I watched it a couple, I think it was last year as well. 
when it first came out, and I, I kind of just flicked, flicked on to it, and, so and just started watching it, and it just got me straight away. Mm. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'll definitely go back and rewatch the whole lot because what a guy! Some What's of the, in- some of his quotes were just absolutely amazing as well. There was one where he was getting interviewed, and uh, one of the journalists turned on to him to and say, "Oh, so." How do you feel about the hand of God and um, you kind of cheating your way into the World Cup? And uh, he kind of speaks to his interpreter and he just kind of, kind of says, well, if England can win the World Cup where the ball didn't cross the line, um, how can you judge me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that just totally shuts everybody right up. And he's just he's going like, oh, look, I was miles away, miles away from the line and you're talking about me. <laughs> that, that came about because he was playing, he was Argentina manager at that time, and his first game was against Scotland at Hampton. And Terry Butcher, who played in that game, at the Hand of God game as, as a defender, was like on the coaching staff of the Scotland team. And he says he won't shake his hand. So that's why, <laughs> that's why that all came about. I've just looked up the Maradona Dundee thing. And so apparently what it was is that in like 2000 or 2001, Maradona was going to play for Dundee in a one-off glamour friendly. Right. And uh, it, it got screwed because he was being pursued by Italian police for tax fraud. So he went in an all-night <laughs> bender and just called the thing off. <laughs> See, really now, the there's, got to be, there's got to be people in Dundee who are raging about that to this day. Oh, just like yeah. furious. <laughs> Said in hate mail to the Italian police. <laughs> <laughs> well, the documentary t- touches on the reasons behind all that because when when he when he joined, he was basically protected by the Camorra. They they he can get away with murder pretty much. But um, and like this is amazing because we we talk about the hand of God here, and in the nineteen ninety, the narrative in here in Britain and England is. In 1990, it was the tears of Gascoigne, them getting beat on penalties. But what the amazing story from that World Cup is that, so he's playing in Naples for an Italian team as an Argentinian, and, and by stroke of luck, uh, Italy play Argentina oh. in the semi-final of the World Cup in Naples. And Maradona's asking all the Napoli fans, who are kind of not maybe the most patriotic definitely kind of seen as second class by the, the, the rich northern cities like Milan mm. and Torino, uh, Turin, sorry. And uh, so he's asking them to support Argentina instead. So he causes this like huge stuff and he scores God, a penalty. It's civil when, war. Oh, it's, it's mm. nuts. And he scores a penalty that, that ends up putting Italy out of the World Cup on home soil where they were expected to win it. So after that, the Camorra ditch him. The, 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 the cops go after him tax, drugs, prostitution everything uh, he just gets chased up the country and uh-huh. we, we never talk about that we, it's just it's an amazing story it's all centered on one guy uh, it's, it's unreal so watch it I'll, I'll stop speaking about it because I don't even know if I'm doing it justice it's, it's, it's great that is, yeah definitely must watch from what I've just heard there, it seems like you, you'd put this in a movie and people would say, oh, that's, that's not believable. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you got your Christmas decorations up yet? No. <laughs> yeah, we put one of the lights up um, outside 
just over the weekend there, so we're looking a bit um, festive, and Mum's got her grotto sitting all done. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's getting getting in the festive spirits, and it's good to see uh, a lot of lights going up around around town. It's always good when the kids are in the car and you're able, you know, or they're getting all happy and cheery about it. I think uh, the year that we've had, it's going to be good mm. to have a full long Christmas celebrations. Month long, yeah. That's, that's, that's all now. I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I'll probably just drink innocent gun all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Provided that we are uh, like provided with them by uh, our unofficial <laughs> sponsor, that would help. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. Dad, when I was over to yours, I actually saw you did something special. You had a like a painter come along. And yeah. uh, paint uh, the Grinch and uh, what's the little dog's name? The Grinch on oh, your yeah, windows. That's a good point. I don't know. I think it's Max, actually. I think Max. it's Max. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so the when I came in, the yeah, when I first came along and saw, I thought like you'd put something like a stickers up or a poster or something like that. It looked so like realistic and kind of like just like kind of really well done. So I thought surely that's not done by hand, but then. I saw the woman come in the next day and fill all the colours and I thought, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Just the work that she did was, was really good. As a top-notch job, I don't mind giving that a plug, actually. Uh, local artist from, uh, originally from Poland called Magosia. I'll put a link to her Facebook page in the programme notes because, yeah, she's, she's had a couple of other jobs because of this and hopefully she's doing really well for herself now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. all the power to it. It's amazing. So is this painted on no. your roof? Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be potentially hell to get off, but we'll deal with <laughs> is it. Like, is it like that, uh, like that <laughs> gel That's stuff? what I was thinking. <laughs> Sorry, Connor? Is it like that gel stuff, or, or what is it? No, it's it's it's, it's definitely paint. Like She, she kind of drew, drew an outline. Um, I'm not sure what kind of paint again. I want to say acrylic, but I might be totally really? wrong with that. But yeah, it looks kind of realistic. And I've seen what she's done since then. And I think ours was the first window she'd painted. And I think she's even got better at it now. I've seen other ones that she's done since. So, yeah, well done to her. Thanks. Yeah, you'll have to take a picture and stick up on our Twitter page. Cause yeah, I'll do that. Then, yeah. Yeah. Smart as hell. Like. Aye, definitely. Yeah, we put up our tree like weeks ago because uh, we wanted something to do. So we can sit in with like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really. Like, we, so we, so like we ordered the tree ages ago. Um, I don't know why it was just like again I was thinking it was for something to do like oh let's order the Christmas tree the guy from Argos delivered it and was like this is the first one I've delivered all year (laughs) (laughs) getting getting shade off the the Argos delivery guy for for buying too early Um, I've had it up I went to Aldi I think yesterday just to troll the Christmas decorations section I wound up getting some extra lights and stuff but I never got any of the big kind of inflatable reindeers or anything you should see some of the, the houses around me though. Like some people have really gone all in, fully lit up. Like, yeah, yeah. I want the planet I to guess... burn. My entire house is a <laughs> light bulb now. <laughs> yeah, there's one of them. I can imagine well. that's, uh, that's what we're like. in the house all right day. Yeah, just they just want something pretty to look at for a month. So <laughs> put a lot of money into that. <laughs> I've got um, a Christmas playlist on the go as well already. I, I I just I'm all for Christmas songs. I've got like. Pop punk versions of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I've got Ska. I've got 
all of them, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of like rocky sort of recommendations. Uh, Ramones, singing Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight. Uh, if you like your pop punk stuff, there's a band called Goldfinger. Goldfinger, sorry. Uh, it's basically like some 41 on steroids doing uh, <laughs> Rudolph Reynolds Reindeer. Uh, Julian Casablancas, the lead singer of The Strokes, his I Wish It Was Christmas Today is really good. But the one I'm going to recommend for everybody to stick on right now after this episode is Little Drummer Boy from the Dandy Warhols. If you like this band, you're going to love this. It's really melodic and it's excellent. So I'll share all these on Twitter. I might do a thread of all these kind of songs or YouTube videos to them. But next week I'll, I'll Andy do Warhols, man. Andy Warhols, yeah. So, so if you get sick of the normal Christmas playlist or you're stuck at work, especially people that work in retail and stuff like that, hearing the same five Christmas songs all the loop. Listen to Mariah Carey all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it would to punch her in the face by the end of it. Uh, yeah, there's some alternative songs for you. I quite like that Christmas is still like a big unifier for different tastes and different styles of music. I get that. Kieran, well, yeah. I'm disappointed yeah. there. What is, what is um, you've, you've, you've no added in one of the, the best Christmas songs ever. Whoa. I've not finished yet. I've, I've got a few weeks to go, but hit me oh, with that's, it. Oh, that's <laughs> fine. It's, uh, it's my, my favourite Chef, chocolate salty balls. <laughs> oh, if you're ever in oh, Dundee yeah. and the karaoke's on and uh, I've had a few too many, that's definitely going to be getting played. In the balcony bar, just going out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd, get the, I'd shut the balcony bar down with my rendition of chocolate salty balls. Yeah, I got oh, in that... trouble years, years, years and years ago. I... Um... So my, my parents would drive me and my sister to school and it would be like a like a 25 minute drive there and a 25 minute drive back so we would always fight over the car stereo and like making mixed cds and stuff like that and putting ours on and my parents like they always hated any of the music me or my sister put on um but i burnt like a christmas mix cd and my mom was actually like really enthusiastic for it she was like yes great christmas music but it was all like weird Christmas songs that I'd got off this website that was just like for all indie artists. So some of them were just crap. A lot of them were like indie and just like grim, not really Christmas season at all. And some of them were like comedy ones. So there's a guy yeah. called Jonathan Colton who does like, he, he's, he writes songs and he does like a lot of like sci-fi stuff. And uh, if you've ever played the game Portal, which was quite popular a few years ago, he wrote like the song from the ending of that. And uh, he's got one called Chiron Beta Prime, which is... Uh, singing a Christmas card from your relatives who are in a, on a faraway planet who have been enslaved by robots. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow that just didn't get people in the Christmas mood. I think it's quite funny. Yeah, it's, that's, yeah. was, that, was that the straw that broke the camel's back in the car? It's just, I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took it out, threw it the windy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'd be banned. <laughs> <laughs> Never has the phrase hang the DJ being oh, more yeah. apt. <laughs> <laughs> but I really want to listen to that song. <laughs> See oh. what it's like. Hi. Okay, uh, next up That's we'll good. do uh, Darren puts his title on the line against Tarek and Dawn in 60 seconds. It's mine. It's going to be mine, Darren. Not taking it from me.
So last week, me and Darren went head to head in the, in the first ever dawn in 60 seconds. And it's fair to say I was well beaten on the night. Thanks, and <laughs> no small part of our bias, Judge. But I'm just checking the Twitter poll that we ran. And yeah, that Darren, that's got you winning as well. So hands up. Yeah. You're officially at the dawn and you're putting your Thank title you on much. the line tonight. Steps right up in the ring against uh, our our aforementioned judge from last week. And uh, <laughs> the guns are out. <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you introduce the topic. Okay, so this one will be about the highly controversial um, superhero topic about the Zack Snyder cut. So about three about years ago, so in 2017, the movie Justice League was um, released. Uh, but before that, the director, Zack Snyder, who directed like Watchmen and like Batman v Superman, before had to step away to, to the unfortunate death of his daughter during the filming of Justice League. And But during that time of him filming the movie and even stepping away, there was reports of a lot of uh, interference from Warner Brothers or DC Comics. And when he had to step away, uh, director Josh Whedon, who made the Marvel Avengers movie, the first one, stepped in and took over the reins. Now, this had been like basically a DC fan's worst nightmare because they didn't really like a lot of things Marvel. And then the guy who made the Avengers movie, which is full of like the wisecracks and explosions and Low, like just overall light tone, not taking things seriously. Here, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> just I to introduce it. Not, uh, uh, not start uh, pitch. You've only got a minute here. What's going on? I'm just getting my time. I just give my stuff in. Had to. Connor, you meant to be so... judging this. Come on, let's uh, I'm, get the I'm, yellow I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded, you know. He's he's not. He's not <laughs> right. <laughs> but. There was some controversy about it, and there was a alluded to a secret Snyder cut that was supposedly around during this. So after the movie came out, and there was some a mixed reception, a lot of fans campaigned, I'll say that lightly, for for several years to get it back that Snyder cut. So, so I'm so taking the just, position. Sorry, let me ahead. just let me just find the cut is. He's he's had access to the same film and he's just cut it differently. He's just kind of but, yeah. His vision wasn't fully realised, and so yeah. now that it's happened, and it was previously just uh, announced, um, he's getting all the actors and all the the band back together oh, to right, okay. refilm and do reshoots for a film that's already came out. <laughs> that's bold. So right. It's just his his version. Of it, okay. uh, but yeah. it's been it's been a community thing. That's what it's been viewed as. So, so I'm uh, taking the position uh, of anti. So I'm against this. Okay. Uh, Good luck. Going to argue <laughs> that, that it's worthwhile. And yeah. under under the rules that we've not explained yet, you get a minute each to state your case. Darren, you've had about twenty minutes already. <laughs> exactly. Jeez, man. Uh, I am going to. Tara, you look itching to go here. I'll let you go first. Okay. Right, right. Well, oh, yeah, our judge here tonight is Connor, and Connor is yeah. more, much more knowledgeable on uh, DC and Marvel than me. But that says absolute jack shit. 
as Maradona you called said, those seven years old. <laughs> as, as, as Maradona said when he was asked, are you bigger than the Pope? He says, that wouldn't be very hard. <laughs> so, um, what noise are you making at the end? Well, do you know what I was going to do? I was actually going to see if I can share you know, audio with this and hmm. get a noise ready and then play it. But I've not done it, so I'm just going to have to right. make... Should have got the, the button from the just office that swears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I'm just going to... Within this minute, I'm going to make up a noise that I'm going to do when the time's up. <laughs> right, Tarek, ready? Three, two, one. So listen, listen, listen. When you start something, you don't want someone else to take over your creative baby, okay? Uh, would you stop Michelangelo in the middle of painting the 16th chapel and say, wait a minute, Neil Buchanan's here to do an art attack? No, you wouldn't. This is basically what the Warner CEOs have de- uh, decided once uh, Zach couldn't finish a project. So it's only right to give him back his baby and see where this goes. When Zach had to leave his baby due to a family tragedy, it gave the, the corporate money horse a chance to um, get the bums on seats and Disney up with Josh Whelan, the, the adventure director at the helm. When you start something uh, with one creative visionary and hand it off to another, someone else, you're bound to get a Frankenstein's monster at the end of it. Add this, take that away, sprinkle a bit of Disney, Disney magic or Marvel magic and poof, you get 40% Rotten Tomato rating. So let the artist take his baby back and suckle from the mother's teeth and grow into a beautiful, dark, gritty masterpiece. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still had a bit left. <laughs> if you hadn't stumbled over your words there, you may have... I oh, know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Some oh, good oh, points, though. Okay. Some, some good yeah. points. All right. <clears throat> And Connor, I, I would, um, unlike our last week's host, you can tell mm-hmm. I'm not bitter at all. I want the judgment <laughs> to be based purely on what you hear in that minute. Okay. No preconceived ideas, regardless okay. of your mental age. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Connor, just remember there's a tenor in it for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, I'm the one that's got your innocent gun. It's not the collection default. <laughs> Innocent gun uh, branded glassware as well. I can yeah. put my hands on. <laughs> Which Tarek did get for free, but not through the, the reasons that you'd expect. So, yeah, I got one of those as well, but I swiped it from the spins in time. <laughs> right, Daz, you ready? Okay. Three, uh, yes. two, one. I 100% believe there's no need for a Snyder cut. There's no need for a slightly different version of a film that was already a bore fest and a misstep. And that Zack Snyder has somehow managed to hoodwink all the fans and felt disappointed with the theatrical release of Justice League into thinking that his version will not only be much better than original, but in fact the best thing since sliced bread. For years, the DCEU fans have clung on to that hope and feverishly harassed the actors, DC Comics and Warner Brothers and gained their own way like an upset child thrown a tantrum. Is this the kind of behavior we want to encourage? What about the other films that have been shelved or delayed due to the focusing on this? And what if the highly anticipated Snyder Cut disappoints too? Will there be a third time lucky for DC's finest? Or we will or will we put it to bed like we should have done over three years ago? That's we done. <laughs> oh, you finished oh, time to spare oh. as well. <laughs> feel unconfident. <Yeah. laughs> you had to feel eight seconds worth there. 
Hey, I just went yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah, wow, okay. Right, do we discuss it or do I just I have to make a call? I have to make a call right after that. Oh, we can we can discuss. We can discuss. Oh, we can, uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Where, where do you, do you have any questions uh, that you have? Connor, do you do so, you on your? So I should I should start off by saying that like I'm not really a DC fan. I I know very little mm. about the DC universe. I've not seen Justice League. Um, I've seen that the hashtags trended. You know, release the Snyder Cut, but. I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm no in the very watching Justice League because it was crap. <laughs> yeah, it was crap. Yeah. But I think I think that makes a good point. It's like how how do you know that it will be any better with this uh, amended version? Because so yeah, we don't know the been a lot of, of so even in there. Yeah, so even when they were first um, recording it or starting to release it, Snyder had already put out a few trailers and there was about five or six different characters that didn't even actually make it into the film that were in the trailers. And he had a totally different way of looking at it. And Joss Whedon, yeah, he's, he does what he does for Avengers. That's a lot more comic-y. It's a lot more kind of gimmicky. Um, but DC, it's got to be dark. It's got to be gritty. That's that's what he was going for, and he was he signed up for a five yeah. film deal, and he done the first Superman, then the Batman v Superman. This was meant to be a two part movie, and then he was going to be doing a third and a well fourth and a fifth after yeah, that. This is the, but then the they they just kind of exactly. they were just saying that he was just wanting they were wanting it to be more, just yeah, just get the people give the people what they want as opposed to what it should be kind of for the hardcore DC fans who know that it should mm -hmm. be a lot darker and a lot more gringy than what you're well, wanting think, from your Marvel. I think a lot of the stuff already... Oh, I think mm. a lot of the stuff already was... or A lot of problems going into Justice League was already caused by Zack Snyder with the other movies. You talk of that dark and gritty tone, but the first Superman movie, Man of Steel, that was one of the most common complaints. And then Batman v Superman... They just that was like a movie that deserves another cut because that of how many movies were shoved into that one. Like they had Batman for the first time and he's fighting Superman and there's Wonder Woman and there's so much stuff in there and that became a big problem. Like they killed Superman before they even had the Justice League movie. And I think Warner Brothers saw that and thought, This is what Justice League's gonna become like. It's gonna be another overblown, just full to the brim. And just there still lacks content. You watch Family Superman, you, you still feel empty, even though there's like four films worth of content in there. So I think they saw that happening again and was rightfully tried to course correct and uh, but, tried to stop see, what he was trying to make it a two film movie, though. Yeah, he's trying just to do that. What he's, well, he was, so he still, was, he's still he trying was, to do that now. Like, yeah. he released so he's the got trailer four hours for, worth. Yeah, right, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I, think, I think I'm going against the spirit of uh, of Don in sixty seconds by letting this debate <laughs> move on. I think. We're not hearing any new information here. Let's see, I'm, 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 Don I'm, in sixty minutes. I, th I think Dan makes a good point that um, like a, f a, f a film is more than a, a, so, so like Tarek, your your argument is centered on the fact that like Zack Snyder is the one person who has a vision who should be able to make the film exactly how he likes. But in practice, like it's Hollywood. Films go through like a, a big collaborative process. There's a lot of people involved mm. in it, and the fans might not be happy. And a lot of people got sucked as well. Yeah, I can imagine. But I think I think I think a lot of times, you know, like 
we're talking about Simpsons earlier, thinking about that scene where like itchy and scratchy, and you get like a focus group together, and the guys <laughs> like shouting at the glasses, like you kids don't know what you want. I don't know necessarily that the fans could make a good film just by you know like what 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 they necessarily want. So without prejudicing whether or not the film's any good, the new cut, because I'm keen to find out. Um, I think I'm going to award it to Darren on this occasion. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's amazed the dawn. Goodbye. But you can watch... You, you can kiss that ten pound goodbye corner. You can watch the, um, the Snyder Cut on HBO Max whenever that comes out. But You're uh, not allowed to watch to... it, Darren. You're, you're banned from <laughs> watching it. to see earlier, he tries to do too much as well. Not only does he want... like I know we're over well, it, well, but... You seconds, you wasted them. <laughs> I've got the win I just have to put one last bit right, he go. wants to make it a black and white and he also wants to make it two parts movie and he also wants to do loads of things so it's just so he's getting the he's getting the keys to the, the kingdom but I think he's just going to overblow it again see I think the, the, ver- the film I really want to see I don't know if you guys um, saw but you remember the movie Cats that came out recently the musical Yes, and it yeah, was, was universally hated. Everyone was like, "This is horrifying," and yeah. like the the CGI human cats are, are deeply disturbing. It emerged. It came out um, after the film had been released. They actually did some visual effects fixes after it came out because they realised that they actually gave uh, Judy Dench like human hands on her cat, so they had to fix it and re-release <laughs> it. But one of the guys who was in the visual effects team came out and said, "Yeah, originally." Um, the CGI cats had visible buttholes and uh, someone <laughs> was given the job of airbrushing out all the human cat buttholes in the whole film. And so for briefly for a while on Twitter, it was trending hashtag release the butthole cut. And that is a campaign <laughs> that I 100% support. I want to see that version of that movie. <laughs> yeah. That well, that a lot more about you than... <laughs> there was another fan campaign thing of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and they tried to do an ultra, ultra realistic Sonic that looked like nightmare fuel. And before the movie, they had to just bring everyone back and spend, like all the animators spent millions of dollars to fix it into a more accurate Sonic. But I don't think they were ever given the thanks. They were actually yeah, because everyone likes to complain, but no one likes to. Say thank you for People are doing the same thing again. Yeah. The, the Sonic thing has been held up as this example because there's a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie coming out, and the and Clifford looks hyper realistic. It looks like a real Labrador that's red, and there's like a campaign that no, go back to the drawing board, do it like Sonic, just fix him and make him look like a cartoon. This is the oh. kind of behavior the Snyder Cut fans <laughs> are encouraging. <laughs> 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 Well, it's still up to the fans on Twitter, though. Well, Tarek's not going to invite you back. Make their own... <laughs> the fans yeah. on Twitter can and, make up uh, their own minds and vote in the yeah, polls. Yeah, I didn't even get a chance to uh, talk about um, Superman's moustache in the in the first movie. <laughs> oh, did they not CGI, CGI it in or something? Yeah, the, yeah, well, cause because he was, cause he was um, uh, scripted. Well, because he was uh, planned to. I can't remember what movie it was. Maybe it was Mission Impossible. Impossible yeah, that was and it. He had he had a yeah, mustache had a in that movie, and they had to do reshoots for him to be Superman. And he got told by Paramount or whoever does the Mission Impossible movies, like, mm. "You're not shaming it." <laughs> <laughs> I was in the class, so they had to CGI it. So every scene that you see him close-ups, it just looks awful. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somehow made well, anyway. Henry Cavill look ugly. <laughs> right, okay, everyone, grab your extremely sharp forks and hallucinogenic rabbit shit as we delve into the 2019 film Get Duke. When I say get, you say juke, get. Juke, ah, juke, juke, juke. It's like the Zoom karaoke, like the yeah. music. Yeah. And the yeah. <laughs> well, Levi, so get, get, get juked was initially released on the 8th of March in 2019. The number one song in the UK at the time was... Thotiana by Blueface. No. Me neither. No idea what that is. Number one at the UK box office was Fighting With My Family. Wait, hold on. Blueface? Yeah, Blueface. Fuck no. Leave it. It's Blueface. Yeah, rapper. Okay. Fuck's sake. Fighting With My Family was... was Paige. That's a Paige from WWE film. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until I looked it up that I found out Stephen Merchant's involved in that. Well, like yeah, him. Nick Nick Frost yeah. plays Paige's dad. Right, okay. Is the one with the rock in it? Yeah. Does he make He had a bit to do with it, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, right. yeah, um, basically the movie's kind of about her rise and she comes from a wrestling family and then the rock was in it so people would see it. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Get Dukes, and I was like, I don't think that no. was. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you missed the rock. <laughs> number one at the You'll US see him in the background. box office was How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I actually really like the first one of that. I've never seen The Hidden World. Yeah, no, I've watched the first one. Yeah. I don't even know if that's this, like the third or something. It could possibly be, because there was definitely a yeah. two. So, Get Juked sees uh, three problem students, Dean, Duncan, and DJ Beetroot, taken to the Highlands by their teacher to try and pass the Duke of Edinburgh Award for punishment after two of them, Dean and Duncan, try to light a shit on fire and ended up burning down the school toilet block. And the third, DJ Beetroot, for filming a hip-hop video outside when the thing was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're joined by the sheltered and naive Ian, who really wants to receive the award and prove his chances of getting into uni. But little do they know that the local lairds see these guys as sport and set out to hunt them down and continue a cull. They see as their way of getting rid of the dregs of society and maintaining their position at the top of the food chain. So, Connor, when did the film first appear on your radar and kind of what, what drew you to it? So I first heard of it because it was the opening night film at Edinburgh Film Festival last year and I've always I've had a great relationship with Edinburgh Film Festival in that um, I used to run a website where I would do film reviews and stuff like that and I don't know how I figured this out but you can actually go to Edinburgh Film Festival as, as a blogger you can get uh, full access and you can go and see all these films and uh, go to all these little events that they throw and uh, had the time of my life used to go like every year like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. watching these films and trying to write about them and sort of what I thought. And uh, I actually didn't go as a, a f- official writer last year. I just kind of went and bought a ticket to the opening night film because I thought it looked so fantastic. 
And uh, I'm so glad I did because I sat there and I was like pissing myself laughing the entire way through. The film at the time wasn't called Get Duked. It was called Boys in the Wood. They changed it before it got released. Um, mm -hmm. but, but fantastic. And uh, eventually it came out on Amazon Prime this year, but it took quite a while. And I was like tweeting the director on Twitter like every single month being like, so when's this film coming out? When's this film coming out? Because I just had so many people <laughs> in my head. I was like, I want to show this film to them. They're going to enjoy it so much. And obviously, like I, I, I did Duke of Edinburgh um, at high school, so I had the the personal experience. Um, I don't know. Did it? Did any of you ever do it? No. 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 I didn't make it. That's no. So empty you... promised at school. Yeah, that was like yeah. Because <laughs> like the the director, so I, I had the opportunity to interview him earlier this year, which was fantastic because I got to just like throw at him all these questions and thoughts that I had, and it was very nice to have some of them validated. Um, but he dropped out of Duke of Edinburgh for basically the same reason I did, which is that you get to go camping. That's brilliant. Everyone loves the camping part. But then you also have to do all this other stuff that everyone hates. And so he just did the camping and nothing else. And that's why I did it as well. So. <laughs> Personal See, affinity. You didn't receive your laminated certificate then? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out there. Yeah. How, did the, how did the interview come about? You contact his people? Was that how these things are done? Yeah, so I, I contacted the PR um, person for Amazon Studios and basically said, look, I've seen this film. I've already seen it. Uh, I saw it at Edinburgh Film Festival. I really want to discuss it with uh, the director. And they set it up for me. I wrote about it for Bella Caledonia, so I'm, I'm sure you'll include the link to the, the article. Yeah, sure. And um, it was a really fun chat. And I, I got maybe 15, 20 minutes or something with him. There was... I was kind of tiptoeing around some of this stuff because I really wanted to talk about the politics of it. And like we were talking about Attack the Block earlier, which is like one of these films that really deals with the serious like social issues through this stuff. And Get Duked is another film very much in that trend. And I really just wanted to spend all this time talking about it because you don't really... I, 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 there's a, this perfect scene, and I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but like at the end, when mm -hmm. Dean does this kind of monologue talking about everything that's like shit in his future... And, uh, and he, he does it like in this completely weird way. Like he starts ranting about like going to Mars and mutants and all this kind of stuff, but it's underpinned by like this really genuine rage. And uh, it's, it's so rare that you get that voiced in film so accurately. And even less often that you get that from like a Scottish perspective, like, cause there isn't mm. that much Scottish cinema anyway. And then there's so often when you get Scottish cinema, it's just like the twee imagery or it's like the train spotting thing and you get nothing that kind of really feels like what it actually is like to grow up in Scotland at the minute so I really really enjoyed that and uh, I felt like I was pushing my luck in the interview a little bit because like the last question I asked when the because the PR guy from Amazon Studios was in the call the entire time and he was like right you gotta wrap it up last question and I was like uh, did you ever think though like when you were waiting for the film to come out, that the Duke of Edinburgh, the actual Duke of Edinburgh, would die beforehand, and it would just be really poor taste. <laughs> he was just like laughing his ass off for like a solid minute and a half, and was like, the film was. It was still one more week till the film came out at the time, and he was like, "Don't say that, like for the love of God, I hope he's like taking his vitamins." <laughs> Especially if he died while out hunting or in the countryside. <laughs> it would have been good PR for him. <laughs> It'd be like uh, uh, Blair Witch, or you think, did it really happen? <laughs> There's no such yeah. thing as bad, bad publicity, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, 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 I hear you, though. Um, 
I, I read, or maybe you told me before, that his speech at the end there, his, his rant mm -hmm. even, um, was kind of filmed, and he changed it a couple of times. Every time it was filmed, he'd maybe say something different. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was really off the cuff. And I think you can see he's met DJ Beatroot. <laughs> Look at him thinking, what are you saying? Because they literally probably didn't know at the time what he was going yeah. to say, what, which version of mm. this rant it was going to be. Yeah. And sometimes when you're young and you're trying to say something and you, you don't quite have the words to come out, then that's where the Mars element, living on Mars, mm. that, that fantastical yeah. sort of theory comes into play. But really, when I, I re, like people are looking into that. He's not, he's not a whole fucking way off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, like how I, I, I really like brought it. in the youth kind of tangent with within that speech because yeah, youth's brains are um, the youths, sorry, of today um, <laughs> because of their mobile phones and all the hippity hop and all that type of stuff is melting their brains. Um, so you, whenever you're talking or whenever you see them getting hyped up, yeah, going off on the wee tangents. I like how they've you managed to get that whole spiel put in there. It's really cool. And also from like a writing perspective, it doesn't seem like a writer is just sitting you down and telling you what to think or or here here here's what where I try to put forward. Like you know, this kid is just he's felt this way or he's thought this way before, but mm -hmm. he's never just had the chance to say it. And even like, yeah, I get the the whole Mars thing, but that's even true to. Like it's Earth. It's maybe it's not Mars on Earth, but they get to live in the the big mansions and stuff like mm. that. They get to live. It's like almost like a different world entirely. So, but yeah, it's very kind of accurate, and uh, it doesn't feel like he just kind of pauses the film and says it. It's just like he's always kind of said that, and it's been built up because he sees his future as just packing fish with his dad the rest of his life, and then he get they get all these rich people that just hate them for like for for from what they think is like no reason. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, I think think about which one of the boys would have been better or, or, or maybe different place to say that sort of rant. Ian's would have been interesting if he was to have a rant because he's kind of just coming into this fresh-eyed and he maybe mm. would have seen this from a different angle, but he hasn't lived the life that Dean and Duncan specifically have lived. So mm. Duncan might not have been as eloquent but as, as Dean was, but he... Certainly, one of the two were the right pe people to do it, and I think DJ Beatty expresses. Can't even say DJ Beatty all the time. <laughs> he expresses himself quite well throughout the whole film. Like he, he makes up stupid raps about the size of his dick and everything. Like that, but he he's but he is expressing himself throughout the film. Whereas yeah. as Dean and Duncan don't, they just kind of bottle things up. And again, that's another. And Ian's like, too Ian's too mm. sheltered to have had that real life experience that absolutely Dean has, yeah. So yeah. I think I think it's actually a really good point about the fact that like of the four boys, they all have very different like life experiences and very different perspectives, but they're all joined in like partly literally by the fact that they're all fighting for their lives together. But they all have like a great deal in common beyond this kind of like surface thing. And so when I spoke to the director, he was like, explaining to me that for him a large part of the film was it was like an ode to teenage friendship, and it was like. Him, he, he, the director himself, he's actually still pals with a whole bunch of people he went to school with. Um, which, I mean, like, I, I'm not personally, but like, I, I get what he's getting at, which is that, you know, there's so much that binds you together, and sometimes you can, you, can, you can't see past these tiny little differences. But he did want it to be a film about camaraderie and you know, like, working together past your yeah. obvious differences. 
Is he uh, was uh, well, the like, isn't... director from Scotland? Yeah. Is he he's, he's from Edinburgh. But even when they can have disagreements or like they split up um, parts of the movie, it does feel sort of real. Like you'd say things like you, like you say your friends, you just you wouldn't want to say because they're your mates. But when you annoy you, you say something. You're like, oh, I hope I didn't say that or I shouldn't take that back. Like DJ Bootroot puts on a persona of being like a hard man. <laughs> then whenever he comes around to Dean's bit, he's like quite scared. And he doesn't know what to do with himself. He doesn't as soon as the light is like you're scared to get off the bus. <laughs> and that's something you'd notice, but you wouldn't say to your uh-huh. mate until you know, I, so even when they have a lot of camaraderie, but even when they're kinda of against each other, it still feels very real and something that you'd only say if you knew a person really well. Mm. Yeah, they can't be quite cotton when he says uh, DJ yeah. is a shit DJ name. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got to do the like which 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 of the boys do you think you are though? If you had to be one of them, which what, like being honest, which one do you think you are? I think I'm more of an Ian, really. <laughs> I would say Dean. Yeah, I'd say Dean. I'm blowing up school toilets. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been known. <laughs> <laughs> But I would not, want like, to say Dean, but not, not like uh, seeing the situation where he's he's um he, he's one of the first to kind of try the, the 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 rabbit shit. He's one of the first to put yourself out there and kind of oh yeah I'll, I'll go I'll do this I'll do this I'll do that. That that's me. Are you DJ Beatroot then? Um, maybe DJ Beatroot. Um, <laughs> you can't be DJ Beatroot. You're the only one that didn't want to chant get duped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see hear Kieran chant, chant it yourself. That's <laughs> <laughs> when you so, were yeah, speaking uh, to me about maybe that. Duncan. That's <laughs> when you were speaking to me about that. You were on about the the, the what was it the Cornetto trilogy? Oh yeah. Mm. So I thought we're watching. It, it was like the second time we watched it twice. We watched it a while ago, but we watched that one before the podcast to prepare. It just kind of remind me a lot of the Edgar Wright. Uh, Cornetto trilogy with Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and The World's End, with like just kind of like the lot of the callbacks and the humor, and like every line kind of means something. But especially when you know, when the teacher is he's talking about like the map and he's talking about where to go, and he's talking mm. about the places and events, it's kind of like, like maps out, no pun intended, in the movie. Um, like in kind of like in um, Shaun of the Dead, where it's like. Oh, go back to the Winchester and all yeah. blow over that famous uh-huh. line. But like everything means something. So there's like the bit where oh, we'll, we'll first meet at the camp, but um, watch out, there's a road there, and that's where they end. I don't want to spoil it, but then someone takes a trip in a <laughs> van in a minibus. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, they invertly kill the their teacher because they <laughs> believe he's uh, the Duke. Baron. And the <laughs> No, like we we've spoken, we, we've, we've told uh, we've told our loyal our fifty loyal listeners that we're going to discuss this next week. Yeah, and then yeah. another area in the hills, there's like oh, watch out, some people shoot there, and that's when they first meet the like the the, the duke and get shoot, they get shot at, and that's where and right at the end, it's like that's at the end near the cliffs, that's where we'll all reun- mm. reunite, and I'll award you with the certificate, and right at the end. Uh, they reunite and then <laughs> they, they find out the teacher is the fact the bread thief 
the notorious <laughs> and they lie oh, for him for a cover and they end up getting the whole um they get this Duke of Edinburgh certificate. So I wish I had more examples to hand, but that just kinda of reminds me of the Yeah, I think you're right. That's one thing that annoyed me um was why did why was he stealing the bread? <laughs> What was the point in that? What, the, 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 uh, didn't really bring too much to the story at all. Does it, didn't it seem? Didn't it? Oh, just, like, just a bit of randomness there. No, but is it? Wasn't that taking a slight dig at like this is the kind of crimes that goes on in the Highlands? Like yeah. this is a, this is how yeah, bad it can uh, get. Um, you know these, these the guys. Thing that they're looking at. These 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 so, like urban kids are coming up used to a lot worse than that, and they're coming in an environment right. where the local police are chasing around bread thieves. I don't know. I was thinking I was it's, looking for a Scooby Doo moment where they were yeah. taking them. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> the one thing I will say about the bread thief subplot is that like I don't know why, but I don't. I've never liked Kate Dickey in films. I've always found her. <laughs> <laughs> annoying for some reason and I, I can't put my finger on it I just I just I've always found her, found her grating when she shows up in something like I think she was in Prometheus I was just like oh no this film though has changed my mind I thought she was really funny just absolutely spot on the entire way through it has changed my view of Kate Dickey so oh yeah a lady scene where the Duncan phones the the police and he, he's after they got shot by the jerk and he's like this pedophile's shooting us, <laughs> and it's like we don't know if he's a pedo. <laughs> and so the the big kind of list they've got, they've got like a at the end is like a pedophile zombie gang. <laughs> they listen to hip hop, <laughs> and then it's like the first bit where they come across the drugs and the like the CD, and it's and the the guy goes, "Oh, sorry, I've had training." In, the, in London from this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a group of hooded <laughs> black teenagers. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's fantastic. The whole the whole bread thief reminds me of like when I was young girl. We took a, a road, bread. road trip. No, we, we took a road trip up to Forfar. There was a house party going on Forfar, right? So me and my mate got in the car, drove up bought in the beers, stayed over, and then the next morning, some people from the house party went around the other like neighbour's house and stole milk. You know, well, people used to get milk delivered, so they stole the mm. milk. And I was like, well, see in Forford, this is probably like crime of the century. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we going to be on the news? And and funnily enough, like the paper got delivered, and the first, the main page, the thing on the paper was, local baker retires. Not dies, not gets killed. Oh. Retires. That was like the big story <laughs> of the day. Like fucking hell. So was a bread, a bread thief in Forfar. So are you, are you confessing to a part in the Forfar milk thefts? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's still, still, still spoken was, about to this day. Yeah. <laughs> I think who else, I, I think who else I was, was uh, hmm? who else was uh, stealing the milk? Alan Dildos. Snitch, he's grass. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> like grass. I think the possible closest comparison is the one time me and my mates, when we were in school, were wandering around St Andrews at night. We saw someone's kitchen window was open and we stole their dish soap out of it. Oh, that's good. 
I just I lost a picture of when I was a teenager. I was like, imagine they've come down to their kitchen and do their dishes and they can't. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, honey, where's our soap? We, <laughs> I hope we don't um, have any St. Andrews or four for listeners. <laughs> I've been wondering yeah. for years <laughs> what went down. Where their milk and soap are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that family that um they got divorced but after the big fight they had because somebody stole their soap and he was blaming his wife <laughs> and she was blaming him. They went yeah. outside to get their milk and that was the there and that was it. <laughs> Speaking of the, the like different influences, I see the, the end like the the minibus where that lands on all the jukes and touches. Mm-hmm. That is Monty Python to a T. That that mm. comical timing. Uh. The, it's so good. Do you guys get any other kind of influences that you've seen in this film? So I, the one the one I mentioned in my article I wrote about was Restless Natives. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh-huh. Strongly recommend it. It's um, it's kind of a, it's a Scottish cult classic from I think the eighties, and it's basically about these uh, two guys who dress up as I think I think it's a clown and a werewolf, and they um, like rob a bus full of tourists in the Highlands just like to get some quick cash on the little moped and then they, they go away but all the tourists are like this was the best thing ever so they become like this tourist sensation and all these people like want to get robbed by them um big big country the band from fife do the soundtrack it's a fantastic movie really recommend it but it's another one of these things that's just like really eclectic uh, a lot about like youth culture and growing up in scotland set in the highlands and kind of as a commentary on how things are going up there but fantastic i i think there's a real echo of that um, i would have loved to have asked the director actually if it was a direct inspiration but i, I assume it probably was another thing we can't not mention is the uh run the jewels as the soundtrack oh, yeah. what a choice uh, yeah <laughs> did you see the music Charlie video just about the film. no i've not yet watched it yet I've, that, I've, yeah I've so they, they, they got the, they got the cast of the, the movie together for a, for a music video it's fantastic oh i need to see watch that, that. But yeah, yeah it's funny. It, it probably fits more what I came on. Like, <laughs> probably fits more with the the previous title of uh, Boys in the Woods. But I'm glad they stuck with the get juked. But it's funny because they take the 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 rabbit poo and then they just hear the run the jewel song and they got their weapons and they're stomping in the islands. It's <laughs> it's just a great moment. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. because uh, I like the link with Killer Mike. Because um, I was watching a few of his um, episodes that he had on, I think it was on Netflix, um, the Trigger Warning with Killer Mike. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. That was really good. Just kind of all the different uh, aspects of, I can't remember, six or seven part documentaries where he would just do different kind of challenges. It would be all kind of revolving around race and um, where he would spend three days only spending black uh, money and black shopped owned places and so on uh, and things like that. It was really good and that kind of got me on to Killer Mike and then when I heard Run the Jewels I kind of managed to put all that together which was, yeah. Really so so Ninian cool. Doff who directed Get Duked he's previously directed music videos for Run the Jewels so he's like mm. got like a working relationship with them that goes way back and I, I think that's something that would have been really funny. Song, yeah. yeah, like so like, that's why he got the rights for the song he did the music video with the kids in it and everything but he was originally trying to get them to appear in the film as a cameo. He wanted them to cameo as Scottish farmers, which I just think would have been so funny. I really wish Aww. they would have been able to do that, but it was like a scheduling thing that couldn't work out. 
a big black guy in the Highlands. That would be good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, they're all sitting and listening to DJ uh, Beatroot, so... DJ Beatroot, yeah. <laughs> Oh, if they hooked up, that would have been immense. So he would have been one of the farmers. <laughs> yeah. So pre- presumably he would have been in the barn when they're all chanting and they're all high on the rabbit shit. Uh, yeah. He oh. might have been the main farmer, actually, because you're the one that he originally goes to. James Cosmo. He goes to DJ... mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have been him or, or just one of the other farmers. That would have been incredible. I just love that bit with the... They say, oh, DJ Boot, it's a shit name. Or, like, no one's ever going to chant it. And then <laughs> the farmer's like, yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> DJ Boot's in the house. It's great. Hold, I've got the uh, big name uh, stars. Um, they've just got bit parts. Yeah. They're, they're not, oh. yeah. Um, and they've, they've totally brought up these young Scottish actors. And they've done a really good job. Um, yep. Each one of them. And so, yeah. Hats off to the casting on that. The, the yeah, even film. even I think Eddie Izzard's role was quite inspired as well. Uh, he's he's not. You couldn't say he's a bit part in it, but he doesn't. Mm. He's not. Oh, over, he's, he's, not over, he's, he's not overbearing in it. No, I mean he's, he's really hardly any lines. lines you know? yeah, 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 15, 20 lines at the top. Yeah, yeah. He, he plays and it really well. And he, you wouldn't even only because you know it's Eddie Izzard. You could you could tell from his features and from his he's, he's got such a. Mm. Voice that you could distinguish in voice that you know voice, that's yeah. Eddie. Uh, you wouldn't, it's not really uh, it's not about a big role. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like the kids. Kind of love it. It's good. Yellow moment uh, when they're getting chased by the kids near the end where they go into the house and the and they realize that, like, they're almost like their time has come. You know, they're, they're too old. They're, the youth is literally like <laughs> running them down and they're like, oh, we, we can't <laughs> do it, what we used to anymore. It was a good line that they said, they're not scared of us anymore. And I can almost pinpoint the thing mm. where, like, growing up, you were scared of the people who were older than you. Mm. And then in high school, you got older. And then the kids suddenly weren't scared of you anymore. Like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> When's my yeah. time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that, that, like, that line changed me a bit. And so did I the think whole... That... I was going to say that scene I'm pretty sure he told me that that was like the first scene in his head that was like one of the first ideas that he had for this film was that scene where they're like why aren't they scared of us yeah Yeah. so the whole thing kind of blossomed out of that so it's quite a crucial scene yeah see from the interview is there anything that he said here that resonates quite well in the film um good question actually I I, I don't know because I think I was. I think the, the the thing that stood out from the interview is that I went in thinking like he had a very strong political edge going into this film, mm-hmm. and yeah. it wasn't really the case. Like like to 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 him, I think a lot of like the political themes in it came quite naturally. He wasn't trying to make a point. It was just that this is how he kind of saw the world and some of the frustrations that he felt that he was trying to give voice to, and. That actually, I think, worked out particularly well because, like Darren was saying earlier, it's not like he's trying to ram a message down your throat. No, it's... it comes across as totally genuine yeah. and authentic. And and like he, he was saying about the you know Dean's speech that like it was rewritten so many times, so many times. I think basically the final version was written like early in the morning, night before, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm 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 really excited to see what he comes out with next. So that kind of. <laughs> To me, that points to like getting a diverse 
actors and, and directors out there, so they just naturally have different stories mm. and different ways to tell them. He wasn't trying to ram, he wasn't trying to be political, but it just naturally mm. was political. Connor, if they didn't deliver that line as well as they did, I mean, rewriting it so often and then just kind of writing it the way that they have on that morning, do you think you would have liked the movie if that line wasn't in it? I would have liked it, but I think... Or if like, that speech wasn't in it, sorry. Because, I mean, like, sitting, like like I was saying, when I saw it at Edinburgh Film Festival, I was sitting there and I was mm. laughing my ass off, like, start to finish. Right. I, I, I already loved this film, but I think it was that speech at the end that was just me sitting in my chair, like, yes, like, like that's just <laughs> nailed it. Um, so I, th- yeah. I think that's what changed it to me from, like, a good film to like a, a great film, so I, yeah. I, I think I think it's, it's the it's the thing that pushed it over the edge, but I would have enjoyed yeah. it either way. Um, it it does so much. It's kind of heartwarming, but it's also kind of angers, passionate, but it's it's real and it's uh, it's just so much in in one kind of speech. But my obviously my kind of bit yeah. where I was, what it like kind of fed me is after when the police woman comes and then. Kind of congratulates the boys one by one, and he realised they came from, well, three of them came from blowing up a, <laughs> a shit in the school toilets, <laughs> saying they have no potential. Here's your last chance. They're not caring about it. And then Ian, who's just so sheltered that it literally hurts them, and then them achieving their their potential and realising that they can they can go out and make a difference. They can make the world what they want. And it's not just they're not destined to be what the world might see them as. Has it inspired you to go and blow up a shit in the toilet? Kieran, <laughs> <laughs> watch Darren in your toilets, mate. <laughs> I think, see if I you start spilling, where's the lighter, Dad? That's it. <laughs> yeah. I think if, if you enjoyed Get Duke... Or I'm Darren, gonna... if Kieran starts showing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend two films for people if they like to get duked. Um, first one is actually a documentary, and some of you may know it. It's called The Great Hip Hop Hoax. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's about these really two good. Scottish guys yeah, who pretended oh, yeah. to be American rappers in order to sign a deal with Sony to come out with a, an album. And, you know, they, they did the whole publicity tours. They went on, on like MTV and stuff like that. And they got tons of money in advance and they, and they blew it horribly. And it's a, kind of a documentary about their rise to stardom and enjoying all the trappings that come with it. And then obviously they get out. It is just these two guys from Scotland who are putting on American accents and then the whole thing crashes <laughs> down. I had the great pleasure, actually, of interviewing the two of them as well, Edinburgh Film Festival years ago, which is just real fun. And uh, I, I, I really recommend that to anyone because like, I think the connection there with Get Duke is that the director was like inspired by the fact that as a wee Scottish guy, he really loved listening to American East Coast rap and that kind of led to the creation of DJ Beatroot. And I think the perfect encapsulation of that, like being Scottish and wanting to be an East Coast rapper is in the movie, The Great Hip Hop Hoax. I think that just nails it. The other film I would recommend- Guys from Dundee. I think they were, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Sybil and yeah, Brains or something. Sure, yeah. Syllable and Brains. Oh, yeah. Because sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure right after I interviewed them, they went and did a gig in Fat Sam's. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second film I'd recommend is in a similar theme to like Attack the Block and Get Cute. It's called Sorry to Bother You. And it's a 
it's very hard to describe without giving away the best parts of it, which I really don't want to do. I would say, think of it as like a, a dark comedy about social issues. So it's like set in um, the States and it's about the, I would say the premise is that it's about this like black guy doesn't have much money. He lives in his uncle's garage and uh, he's unemployed and he gets a job working in a call center and he just like is really failing at it until one of his colleagues advises him to put on a white voice and he discovers that if he puts on a white voice then he's a lot more successful in his job and he starts like working his way up and that comes with a whole lot of problems that's that's the most i'll say about it okay but I, would, I really recommend it sounds good i i just checked it out and uh the actor who I'm assuming has got a big part in it is Lakeith Stanfield. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it means into you, but he is in uh, Atlanta, and I Ooh, think I he? think he's brilliant. I think he is an amazing actor. I've seen him in a few things, and everything he does is just he's really good. At it. He's really diverse as well. Yeah. In Atlanta, he's just kind of like his weed smoking uh, nobody, and. Uh, I've seen him in other things. I need to go and look them up, but I really rate him. He's he's one of my favorite people to watch just now. So yeah, well, definitely yeah, he watch kinda, it. He kind of always comes across as like a crackhead type. Um, well, he, he well he's he's uh, he's, he's certainly it? he's certainly a weed smoker and like it's just a it's yeah. just a bum really in Atlanta. Oh. But um, I've seen him in other like, really well, serious roles as well, and nice, oh, he is good. So Connor, we kind of like do this main film mm -hmm. review on each episode. So if you were to pick, sorry to bother you, or what was the what was the Scottish film you mentioned earlier? Oh, Restless Natives. Yeah, which one of them should we do for next week? If you were to recommend one for us to discuss, I think you'd get a better discussion out of Sorry to Bother You. Right, but cool. I think you should keep on the agenda Restless Natives at some point. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, okay. It's on. It's on Netflix. So even better. Good. Looking forward to that one. Yep. No. I'll definitely see that Don, uh, Donald Glover on that in there. It's... Is he involved as well? Yeah. 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 Super. Right. That's that's a wrap then. Oh, right, cheers, Cora. It's been fun. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm oh, thanks for coming along, Cora. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's great fun. I'm three or four tins down into this delicious. Crafted Lager Beer from Ennis and Gun, unofficial sponsor, <laughs> soon to be official hopefully. Keep I look forward to getting mine in the post, hopefully soon. <laughs> Connor, the posties have already drank that, you're just getting a bit dinky. Empty squashed through your letter box tomorrow morning. <laughs> just to make sure you recycle them. <laughs> okay, it's a goodbye for me and it's a goodbye from them. Bye. Right. See you. Right. Take it easy. Joe.